Welcome to the Future of Protein Production Podcast. In this series, we will explore the technological advancements that are shaping alternative proteins. From cultured meats to plant-based proteins, we will talk to experts and innovators who are working towards a more sustainable, efficient, and kind protein production system. Join us as we dive into the exciting possibilities and challenges of the alternative protein production industry in the years to come. Okay, welcome to this April-May 2023 edition of Protein Production Technology International and continuing with our feature on alternative seafoods. Uh, we're pleased now to be speaking with Michelle Wolf, who is the CEO of New Wave Foods. They're a New York-based company um, that is producing a plant-based shrimp. Um, now, we know that demand for plant-based proteins is climbing every day, and as the consumer base for vegetarian and vegan meat alternatives grows, many are looking for new ways to eat their old favorites, and they don't come any more favorite than shrimp. It's certainly one of those. So, Michelle... Um, welcome to you. It's very nice to have you with us. It's great to be with you, Nick. Thanks for having me today. Uh, first off, how did you get into the food tech space? I think I read somewhere that you used to work for L'Oreal. <laughs> I did. So my background is actually in engineering. And, you know, I was, I did do a very short stint at L'Oreal, but just found that I had this desire to have more impact with my career, especially within food and starting, I was starting to understand like the connection between our food system and sustainability and working on shampoo just wasn't quite filling that uh, itch for me, if you will. So I had moved across the country to be at the center of the plant-based movement over in California. I started New Wave Foods because of exactly what you said about shrimp is one of the most consumed seafoods, but in my opinion is the poster child for issues that we can have in our seafood supply chains. And I was looking at the meat alternative space and I said, hey, no one's working on seafood. There's an opportunity for shrimp here. So we went from there in terms of um, developing a product and now uh, in the market and getting into restaurants across the country. Yeah. I mean, some of the people that I've um, interviewed uh, for this feature, they're, they're looking at cod and they're, they're looking at salmon and things like that. And there are specific conservation concerns with those particular species. Are there, are there any of those concerns with shrimp? I mean, why did you focus on shrimp in particular, apart from, I guess, that the volume is one of the most eaten seafoods, I believe, in or consumed seafoods, I should say, in the USA? Yes, it is globally too as well. So okay. it was because of the volume and because shrimp is actually number three in terms of greenhouse gas impact after beef and chicken. So there's a lot of um, emissions that happen in shrimp farms. There is mangrove destruction, which happens on the coast of Southeast Asia, which, you know, boosts that number as well. And whenever you take out a mangrove to put in a shrimp farm, you're releasing all this carbon and this great ecosystem that's actually filtering our ocean, um, helping uh, reduce ocean acidification. You're removing that and then um, that's contributing to the greenhouse gas impact as well. And unfortunately, with these shrimp farms, they only have about a five year shelf life before you're moving down the coastline to redo the whole process all over again. So between that and then all of the other issues that you see with microplastics, overfishing, excessive bycatch, um, all of those things have put a lot of stress on our shrimp supply chains. And since it's so well liked, we said, hey, if we can create a tasty alternative, we can reduce some of those issues and reduce those pressures that are happening on our supply, that, that supply chain as well. Yeah, so, so it's a, a big impact to be had if we can sort of nail this particular this particular breed. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you talked about it there, looking at the bigger picture. I mean, there are lots of companies out there um, pursuing different types of plant-based meat alternatives. Why seafood in particular instead of a, another high-volume um, plant-based meat? 
Yeah, I think when I was getting into the space, there was already starting to be a proliferation of burgers, patties, starting to be chicken. And now there's really been a proliferation of chicken. And our oceans are so important to our broader ecosystem. We actually get most of our oxygen to our oceans. And to ignore the oceans, to ignore sustainability is to ignore like 75 or around 70% of our planet. So we wanted, so I said, hey, you know, I always like to think of myself as fighting for the underdog. Our oceans at the time were certainly not being, um, we're sort of the underdog in terms of sustainability conversations. So Mm -hmm. that's why I chose to focus on seafood because of the need there um, compared to, you know, there's a lot of fabulous folks working on beef, chicken, and some of those other um, terrestrial terrestrial meat alternatives. Yeah. I mean, uh, this this focus on um, New Wave Foods itself as a company, um, when was when was it established, and what you know what was the genesis of that, and when when did you become involved? Yeah, so I've been there since the very beginning because of my background. I did a lot of the initial formulations on the product. Um, we have been around since late 2015, so we spent quite a few years with an R and D perfecting the product. It was in 2021 that we entered distribution through Dot Foods. Um, Dot Foods is a redistributor in the food service industry, and they get access to over 3,500 doors within the food service industry that we can sell into. So over the last year, we've been getting our uh, distribution foothold through Dot and then selling into restaurants over uh, the last year as well and you know across the food service industry as well. So not just restaurants, but colleges and universities um uh corporate dining so if you think about you know your silicon valley tech campus and the dining halls there um we also do um sell into those places as well yeah i mean that's a a big portion of the market i mean we're going to come on to food service a little bit later on um when you said perfecting um the product and perfecting the r d what what does the perfect shrimp product look like plant-based shrimp product look like and how, how have you tweaked it over the over the years to 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 come with the program uh to come with the product you've got today yeah, so shrimp is really interesting because the people love the texture because I think it's so differentiated compared to finned fish, especially. Um, I think a lot of the technologies that were developed around plant-based meats are a little bit easier to apply to finned fish um, than a shrimp. So we really had to take a totally different approach into how we develop this product because when you think about a shrimp, you have this pretty firm bite going into it. Then you have this sort of burst of you know flavor and texture and tastiness. So trying to recapture that um, had been a challenge to get the texture per. So we worked on that. And then a surprising, for me at least, uh, part of this was getting the right shrimp flavor because we wanted to use all natural flavors and you're trying to create shrimp flavor without shrimp. So even just defining, you know, what are those flavors in there? And you get some of the basics like, okay, there's umami, there's saltiness. But as we were working on it, we said, okay, there's this like fresh ocean flavor that we're having a hard time capturing the product. So we did some things like boiling seaweed and trying to figure out like what would give us that flavor. Um, but eventually we have a fantastic team of food scientists and um, like culinary experts who are able to get us that right flavor profile to complement um, the texture in our product. I guess it's a challenge to create a product so complex, um, but keep down the number of ingredients because we don't want to be accused of, you know, having lists and lists of various different ingredients that nobody could pronounce. So how do you strike that balance between sort of labeling of not labeling of ingredients, but the number of ingredients in a product and, and achieving the perfect taste texture? 
Yeah. So there's been really some good thought leaders in the, I guess, ingredient space. Um, you can think about Whole Foods. I think in food service, Panera Bread has been another great example where they put out lists to say, hey, you know, we're not going to take in products that have these ingredients in them. So mm -hmm. I think early on in the de um, development process, we made sure to set guardrails around, you know, what ingredients um, we would include in the product using those lists as guidelines. And I think just making sure that, um, you know, I have to say we didn't struggle as much as maybe some other companies did about having to narrow down the ingredient list. We got to a point where the product was very tasty. We were like, hey, this has a fraction of the ingredients that some of the patties do. Um, and we were able to, you know, feel confident in shipping the product based on what we had developed up into the, up into that point. And I think a big part of that was also, too, because we set these guardrails early on in the process. Um, because as they say, I think necessity is the mother of invention. So if you're, I think sometimes having a wide open development plan can actually be to your disservice rather than putting some structure around it, because then you have to be a little bit more creative about how you're developing products too. Yeah. Uh, of the ingredients, what, what what are the main um, constituents in there? Yeah. So we using a pink protein or? Yeah. So we use a seaweed derived ingredient that gives the texture that I was talking about earlier. And then we use mung bean protein for the protein content. And because of that seaweed ingredient matrix, we've been able to load more protein into our product than anyone else working on shrimp right now. So we've been very happy with how that has turned out. And then we use some things that help with the um, mouthfeel, like sunflower oil. And then, as I mentioned before, natural flavors to ground out the flavor profile. Yeah. Um, now, we've talked about the product. What's about the process itself? What's particularly unique about the way you're doing it? I was talking with a company yesterday and and because they don't use extrusion they can create a product that um basically looks uncooked when it's uncooked and then it takes on that cooked appearance when you cook it um can you engineer that into your products yeah so we a lot of shrimp is actually purchased pre-cooked anyway so we did uh develop our product to be a ready to heat rather than ready to kind of fully cook product um, because as we thought about the food service operator and the challenges and, you know, they're a customer and what they're going through right now, they are having labor shortages. If they are getting labor, it's a little bit less skilled. So we wanted to make sure that the product was something to go that was easy to go from the freezer to, you know, for our breaded shrimp, the fryer, and then to your plate. So we were really focused on the customer at the center of this as we were developing the product and making sure it was going to be easy to use. Because what I have found in listening to, you know, panels at the National Restaurant Show is while a lot of the food service industry, they're like, hey, I get the trends around plant-based. This is interesting. If there's too much messing around that they have to do with the product or special cooking process, or even in some cases getting special equipment, they're like, I don't want to mess with this. I don't want to bring it in. So I think part of that was just keeping our customers at the center of that product development process too, as we came up with the product. Yeah. Um, among the the challenges that you find, I mean, there's challenges everywhere in this sector from uh, regulations to consumer acceptance. Um, but what have your been what have been your biggest challenges in the development side of things, and, and how did you overcome those? Yeah, I guess in terms of the like the the product development themselves or on the the uh, regulatory side. Uh, either either or. We'll start with the product. I, know that the, I understand that the regulations is a slightly different um, thing for plant-based products um, yeah. than it is, for instance, CELAG. Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest thing for us, honestly, was finding a co-manufacturing partner and scaling up. So getting that, you know, something on the bench that tastes great, that is a whole process. And again, we have a great team to get there. 
internal team. But then when you start uh, factoring in a third party, like a co-manufacturer, that creates multiple levels of complexity. And you're also trying to find a partner who says, hey, like you're almost selling into them as well and saying, hey, this is going to be a big deal. We're going to have a lot of volume. We don't necessarily have it now. Um, We're going to have to do some R&D with you. And you're trying to tell that story to them and get them excited about it too. So finding that home manufacturing partner to scale up, um, I think was much more of a process than I expected and took a lot more time than I expected. And I think it's something as we look at the products on the shelf today, um, anyone who's been able to get across that and scale up and get their unit economics down, like that should not be um, shorted as something that is insignificant. That is very significant to have a product on the shelf and scaled up because it is not easy with these novel products in plant-based foods. Yeah, and once you've got it on the shelf, you've got to market it as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I mean, you were talking about that co-manufacturing process. I mean, you're essentially handing over your baby, aren't you? So you've really got to make sure that you're you're working with the right partner who can you know, take your vision to reality. Oh, yes, absolutely. And it's always a balance. So as I think about building the business, you know, we have a brand, we're trying to sell products. So we want to use our capital to grow the market. So really focusing on sales and marketing and what working with co-mans do. Yes, you're you really have to have a lot of trust. And that's where I think the vetting process and finding the right partner is so important to that. But we um, don't have to worry about significant capital costs. Um, we still have fairly good control or we we have very good control over how the product is made, the quality standards because of the partnership we have with our manufacturers. Um, and it, it allows us to put capital to work to really teach folks about a product that is unfamiliar to them as much as plant-based products have been around now for quite a few years. Um, I forget sometimes that the concept of a plant-based shrimp is still very new. So being able to put that funds towards education um, around the product, that it tastes good, that you can use it just like shrimp has been really important. And then partnering the right way with um, co-mans so that we can fuel the market um, is, you know, how, we, how we've how we approached all this. I mean, it's a big challenge for startups in the sector. I mean, would you recommend co-manufacturing as, you know, as a, a go-to market strategy? You know, I think it's going to be a case-by-case basis, quite frankly. Um, For us, we knew that while there isn't a lot of equipment out there that is specifically designed for plant-based foods, we were able to, I guess, retrofit some things to our process, kind of create a modular process where we can, um, you know, slot in different equipment if we need to um, for that. But I know that there's a lot of new technologies out there that they can't do that with. So I would say it also depends on your business strategy too. We knew that we wanted to grow a brand and sell in. Um, and we wanted to fuel that. I know other folks are really investing in the technology and focusing on reducing costs for their particular product. So in that case, it might make more sense to have um, a facility to your own. But I think it depends on your overall strategy um, and what you're trying to uh, bring to life. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's a small community. Um, alternative. I mean, it's growing, obviously, but it's a small community, the alternative seafood market. I, I heard the other day that there's even a WhatsApp group um, that some of the members in it are on, uh, and they all exchange... Um, strange pleasantries and uh, platitudes. Um, so you probably keep an eye on developments from your, um, I'm not going to say competitors, but your, you know, your partner collaborators. Is there anything else um, in the market that has really impressed you? You know, you, you've sort of seen it or tasted it and just thought, uh, that's blown me away. Yeah. Yeah. I think to your point about uh, the WhatsApp group, what's really cool about the, I think. Yeah, you know, you're on it. 
yeah, the future of <laughs> in general is um, everyone's working on the same goal um, and the same mission, and there everyone has the same I think ethos. So that creates a certain camaraderie around everybody. But when we think about um, how we are, or I guess if I think about, I'm trying to think about a product that's really impressed me. What I have really been interested in is more seaweed products. So products that come from seaweed, like ours, um, you know, just raw seaweed as well. You know, we use something that is processed from seaweed, but how folks are incorporating that into their meals too. Seaweed is so cool because it is a very sustainable ingredient. Um, it grows like by the foot almost per day. So we talked about the release of carbon in our mangroves for shrimp. Seaweed is growing so quickly. It's capturing that carbon. It's reducing the ocean acidification. And I think it has a lot of opportunities in the ingredient space to be developed into other, um, you know, uh, bases for plant-based meat alternatives. Even in the cultivated space, I think there's some opportunities. So I'm really excited about where um, the future of seaweed is going to take us in the future of food. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering, do, do you um, uh, do you sort of showcase yourself at any general fish industry events? So, uh, do you have any gauge of what the um, conventional fish sector or seafood sector thinks of the types of products that you guys are developing? Yeah, I think there's the very vocal ones I find on social media who say who feel threatened, and I think it's sad that they feel threatened because I've always seen our brand as a yes and. Um, you know, I really think that it's not about trying to convince everybody to go vegan. I think that's going to be an uphill battle that will take a much longer time than I think people realize. But I would love to see, you know, folks swapping out one meal a week for something plant-based as a starting point. And I think if we can, um, you know, convince folks to make small changes, those can have a ripple effect across a population and really be impactful. <laughs> so um that's how i kind of think about that yeah rather i mean the vegans only take up a small percentage of the market whereas the flexitarian people like me are a much uh, bigger market grab um we're going to come on to the consumers in a minute but food service you mentioned it earlier that's an important part of your business model um i mean what what is the thinking behind that generally and, and might you have any plans for retail in the future yeah so we went into food service first because that is where Seafood across the board, including shrimp, is most consumed. Um, it's something like 70 to 80% of folks go outside of the home to eat seafood. And that's because they don't like how it makes their house smell. They don't know how to cook it. They don't want to handle it because they're worried about salmonella risk, for example. So we went into food service because of that. And also you're seeing a lot of influencer chefs being on the, the voices for the plant-based movement as well. So as we think about getting it to market, that's why we went into food service initially um, as well for this. We are working on plants for retail um, and are excited to, you know, start talking about that a little bit later this year. Yeah, we uh, there's a company called Redefine Meat, who I'm sure you're aware of here in Europe. Um, and uh, they have Marco Pierre White uh, among their ambassadors. Are you guys working any sort of celebrity chefs? Yes. In your sort of Yes. So we just, we've announced this um, a few months ago and we just came out with our first video with this collaboration. So we work with Chef Brian Duffy, who was on Bar Rescue and he was the one kind of the nice guy coming in to help out with like creating these wonderful um, food concepts for these restaurants and kind of, you know, taking more of like a gastro pub lens for all of this. So he actually brought in the product in one of his restaurant concepts. Um, sold out of it in a weekend and said, hey, I want to work with you guys. This is so cool. I want to be a part of it. 
And it's just been, he's so down to earth and so fun to work with and just an like ultimate professional. Um, and he's just been a fantastic partner um, throughout this as well. Man, uh, that's, that's, uh, it's good to have that sort of personality on board as well. I know there's a lot of uh, stars out there that are investing in this space and, and want to be seen as part of this space. Um, in the years ahead, um, how, how do you see this sector evolving? Um, and, and as a sector, I include the plant-based um, products that you're developing, but also cell-based or even fermentation-derived um, seafood products. Yeah, I think the plant-based industry is going to continue to expand. What we're seeing is that the trends that are driving plant-based eating, they're not going anywhere. People still want to eat better for the environment. We talked about flexitarian, but that's shifting to more of people calling it a climatarian diet where people are like, hey, I just want to eat better for the planet. Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to cultivated and fermentation, what you'll start to see is probably hybrid products coming out together. Um, so using sort of plant-based products as a base, starting to pull in some of those ingredients. I know they have their own sort of separate challenges from us, but I know that as the cost of the especially plant-based products come down, people overcome some of these um, scale-up challenges. You know, we're just going to continue to see more and more plant-based products as the years go on. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned those climatarians. There, it's not a phrase I've uh, I've come across yet, but um, I guess it's a demographic thing, isn't it? This as we sort of move, all the old fogies like me disappear. These our younger generations, Gen Alpha and Gen Z, um, you know, they're the ones that are going to be driving this market forward. I mean, what do you think the tipping point um, will be for these particular types of um, alternative seafoods to really take off? Yeah, I really think that cost is going to be a big driver for this. We're living in a time of unprecedented inflation, especially within my lifetime. So if I'm, you know, a Gen Z, I'm 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 like a young millennial, but <laughs> um and for that generation that's really just coming like right out of college or Gen Alpha who's like going into college right now, um their pockets aren't very deep right now. Um and we talk about sort of wealth across generations, you know, unfortunately especially in younger generations, that hasn't necessarily caught up in some of them. So I think there are a lot of folks who have a will to eat in a better way, but to really get them to start adopting these products and for them to become more mainstream, um, price is going to be something to focus on. And I know that's a big point that we're working on too, is to continue to drive down those costs within our production process and um, lower the price over time. I had a few folks say, hey, are you going to raise your price? It's there's inflation. Everybody's raising their prices right now. And I was like, no, like we need to hold steady where we are and, um, you know, continue to sell um, for people to have confidence in um, our products and to continue to buy them. Um, Michelle, we're nearly time up now, but um, what's what's next for New Wave Foods? What, what, what big announcements can we expect over the next couple of months? Yes. So I am really excited about a very cool announcement coming out around um, a product award that we are getting that's coming out oh in the next few days. Um, so excited Brilliant. about that. And then um, honestly, just kind of continuing to sell in. We have distribution in all of the major U.S. cities. So it's really about just continuing to push the product out into those cities here. Um, we're working on some opportunistic international opportunities. So um, I think we're pretty happy that you know externally there's been a lot of discussion around the plant-based industry but i can tell you internally um the company continues to grow and i can confidently say you know it's company's never been better yeah well that's great it's i mean you're, you're achieving what many 
many, many companies out there uh, can only dream of. So look, thank you very much for your time. It's been great to, to speak with you today and um, it's going to be fantastic to feature you in this article. Thank you for listening to the Future of Protein Production Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and knowledge about the innovative technologies and practices that are transforming the way we produce protein. Don't forget to subscribe to Protein Production Technology International, our multimedia magazine, and follow us on social media to stay up to date with the latest news and updates. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes.